Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and our guest is Christopher Udry, the Henry J. Hines II Professor of Economics at Yale University. Professor Udry is a development economist whose research focuses on rural economic activity in sub-Saharan Africa. He has conducted extensive field research in West Africa on technological change in agriculture, the use of financial markets, asset accumulation, and gift exchange to cope with risk, gender relations, and the structure of household economics, property rights, and a variety of other aspects of rural economic organization. Today we'll talk with Professor Udry about land rights and agricultural investment in Ghana. Welcome, Professor Udry. Thanks for inviting me. In your paper, The Profits of Power, you examine the relationship between land and politics in Ghana. Give us an overview. Okay. So this, this paper is part of a larger research program to try to understand the relationships between uh, s social relations, political structure, um, and institutions, and economic activity in, in, in Africa generally, in West Africa in particular. Most of my work is in Ghana because uh, it helps to understand the institutional context, the political context, uh, mm -hmm. to, to reveal these underlying uh, economic behaviors. So in this paper, we do two things. First, it's a co-authored paper with Marcus Goldstein at the World Bank, so he gets okay. full credit for participating in this. Um, and in this paper, we do two basic things. First, we show that there's a strong relationship between people's political and social position within local hierarchies of power within villages and rural areas in Ghana and the security with which they control their land. People who are remote from centers of power locally are much more likely to lose control over their land over the next year or two than people who are more central to networks of power. And second, we show that those people who don't have secure rights to land are much less able to make investments in the land. Um, as a consequence, they achieve much lower output, much lower profits. Um, and in, um, yeah, so, that's, so, so they, they achieve much lower profits, much lower output, and as a consequence, they have much lower incomes. And how did you come to write the paper? What was your inspiration? Okay, so in West Africa, uh, in Africa generally, actually, people tend to farm plots by themselves. So rather than a family farm like you might have in the Midwest of the United States, mm -hmm. instead, if you go to a plot of land, that'll be an individual's plot. So a, a man will be farming this plot, or his wife will be farming a plot over there, their son will be farming a different plot. So agricultural production's organized individually, and people have control over the income from their plots. And I've shown, and others have shown in work around Africa, that there's a very strong gender differential that, that Husbands and wives, even if they're married to each other, will achieve very different uh, yields, very different profits, and very different incomes from their agricultural activities, with men achieving much higher profits than their wives. Um, and so this is a mystery. We don't quite understand what's going on wi with that. Mm -hmm. in, in some work I was doing in southern Ghana, I noticed this pattern reappearing, that men were achieving much higher yields than their wives were achieving. And we collected enough data in this case to start to unravel the mystery of why there was this, this difference. And it was clear that it was related to investments people were making in their land, mm -hmm. that women were making much lower investments than their husbands were. 
And the investment that matters in most of the forest areas of the world is fallowing, that you farm your land for a year or two and then you leave it alone for a few years. Mm -hmm. And during that time it regenerates its fertility and the, the weed load is diminished by competition. And as a consequence, when you farm it again, it's much more productive. And we noticed that women were leaving their land fallow for very short periods of time relative to their husbands. So, um, so this was actually really fun. We, um, I was spending time in these villages and in informal conversations with men and women and, and also more formal focus groups. I was able to confront them with data from their land. And mm -hmm. I was able to sit down with the men and say, look, here's your wives' plots, here's your, your plots, you're getting much higher output than your wives. Um, why, why is this? And of course the men just say it's because we're good farmers and our wives aren't. Um, but sitting down with the woman and talking with women about why this was, um, we could talk about specific plots. We could talk about that land behind your house. Why you, you cultivated it last year and you had only left it fallow for a, a matter of months and naturally you got very low yield. Why, why would you do this when your husband leaves his land fallow for years and he gets much higher yields? And they, of course, knew of this pattern. They knew they were doing this. And they knew, as well, the link between investment and productivity. They knew they were getting low yields as a mm -hmm. consequence of leaving their land fallow. But um, one woman said to me, and this, is, this was really quite vivid, I, I can't leave it fallow. If I leave it fallow, it's not my land. It's land that I get from my husband's family through a process I could describe to you, but through a, through a convoluted political process, she got the right to cultivate this land. Mm -hmm. If she didn't cultivate it, that would indicate to the people who gave her the land that she didn't really need it. And as a consequence, they would take it away. So she had to keep cultivating it. Um, so it became clear that there was a link between her rights to land and the way she got land and her investment decisions, and then in turn, her output and as a consequence, her income. And mm -hmm. so her husband had much more income than she did as a consequence of his ability to invest in his land because he had more secure rights to the land. So that's what started us off on writing this book. Okay, and why is it important to look at this relationship between land and politics? Well, there's, first of all, it's very clear that there's um, big gender differences in welfare in, mm -hmm. in West Africa. In, in in parts of East Africa as well, where the women are getting much less income than their husbands are. And they're getting this much less income fundamentally because they're much less productive on, in agriculture, which is their main activity. And so trying to understand why there's this productivity difference is central to understanding this um, gendered uh, division of income that's so, that's so unequal in, in, in much of Africa. Um, so that's, that's, that's one reason why it's, it's important to look at this. The second reason it's important to look at this is that um, our, our work shows that there's this connection between local politics and people's ability to make investments in, in their land and hence to generate income. And so this, this nexus between politics and production turns out to be much more important than, than we might have thought. Now, I, w I wouldn't want anyone to take our paper and say that the same thing occurs in other places of even Ghana, certainly in other places of Africa. The way this connection between politics, land rights, investment works itself out in southern Ghana is a consequence of the specific way political power is organized, the specific way that land rights are visualized and enforced, um, and the specific agricultural system. So that, that 
specific connection wouldn't necessarily be general. But the, the, the general lesson is that um, in understanding patterns of investment, you have to understand people's security of property rights. That seems to be a general um, uh, result from this. Mm -hmm. And that property and political power are, are linked in important ways in Africa, in ways that we still have to explore. Um, in southern Ghana, it's fairly clear what that link is. But in other parts of West Africa, um, there's, there's some work, but we don't really quite understand those power dynamics and how it leads to um, property rights. So that's, that's why I think it's important. Okay. It's curious to me, in listening to you <coughs> say that a, a man and a woman are, are married, okay? A man can um, let his land go fallow for years, but his wife, who he lives with, yeah. seems penalized. Right. Um, I'm wondering why the husband and wife do not work together right. on the land, and why the husband wouldn't be upset if someone took his wife's land away. Can you speak to yeah. that phenomenon? Well, the phenomenon? husband will be upset oh, when okay. someone <laughs> takes his, his <laughs> wife's land away. But never the, so, so there, there, were, there are a bunch of questions in there. Mm -hmm. well, yes. There's one deep question which we really don't understand that well, which is why productive enterprises in Africa, all over Africa, are much more individualized than they are, say, in the U.S., um, where households tend to work together more. Um, the, the same question could be asked in reverse, of course, when I talk about this in Africa. Um, people ask, well, why would you do things jointly rather than separately? People have, the, the, people have comparative advantage. Some people are better at certain things than other things. And so that's why we tend to specialize, and that's why Africans tend to specialize in, in separate activities. Mm -hmm. Another reason why they tend to specialize in separate activities is there are very small returns to scale. And so every Everybody who's a farmer in Africa is farming multiple plots. And so these are divisional enterprise, divisible enterprises. Okay. Um, so because we've got five or six different plots scattered around the village, it makes a bit of sense that one person would be responsible for this plot, another responsible for another plot. Then turning, but, but then the question becomes, how do you get those plots? Mm -hmm. And that's how it links into the local politics. The man is going to be upset if his wife loses his land, but he doesn't have the ability to protect her because she has to get that land, sometimes with his help, mm -hmm. but through the village allocation mechanism that gives people land. And so as much as he might protest, she might still lose her land. And he's a better able to protect his land because of the norms of land allocation in these villages, which give him more secure rights over those lands. Because um, he is a man? It's not so much because he's a land, it's interesting. It's more because, because he's a man, he is much more likely to be closely connected to village leaders, mm -hmm. who are, of course, all men. Okay. Uh, these power differences aren't um, gendered in themselves. They're correlated with gender, but mm -hmm. we can have exceptions where we have powerful women who have secure land rights and unpowerful men who don't have secure land rights. Okay. Let's talk about your methodology. How did you yeah. do the research? Yeah. So, I, do, I use all sorts of different methods. Okay. The, the method that is appropriate depends upon the question. Um, here's in, in this study, uh, my co-author, Marcus Goldstein, and I spent a total of two years living in Ghana, running a relatively small, very intensive survey of a few hundred households, mm -hmm. um, several hundred people, where we would visit them, and our, our research assistants would visit everybody in our sample every four to six weeks to get very detailed information on 
what was going on in their economic lives. For this paper, what mattered was mm -hmm. very detailed information on what they were doing on their land, every activity they took th that took place on their land, and in-depth interviews about how they got their land and what they were doing with their land. Um, so the foundation of the work was a survey with uh, data collection, mm -hmm. uh, complemented by a lot of informal interviews with Marcus and I spending a lot of time in these villages talking with people about what's up. We started this work thinking that it was going to be about the relations between husbands and wives, mm -hmm. that it was all about relations within the household. And it certainly has something to do with that. Sure. But over time, it emerged that it was much more about each individual's connections with a larger social structure, mm -hmm. and we had to map that out um, okay. over time. And so it was an, it's an iterative process where you start with an idea about what's going on. Turns out you're wrong, mm -hmm. but, but from that idea, you generated en enough data to enable, to enable you to figure out that you're wrong and in what direction you can modify the data collection to, um, to recover from your errors. Um, now, given these results, mm -hmm. um, where we, we find the strong connection between political power, land rights, investment, and productivity and incomes, uh, it called out for, for further work. Mm -hmm. So um, with colleagues at the Economic Growth Center here at Yale and uh, colleagues at the University of Ghana, um, where we have a long-term research relationship. Mm -hmm. We're now doing a, a 15 to 20 year study across the entire country, um, looking at the, this question and many other questions mm -hmm. over, over, over time within Ghana um, so that we can see how this evolves as the process of development takes place. Very good. And in doing the research, did you have any difficulty or was there anything that was particularly surprising? Well, we were, f we were pretty wrong mm -hmm. as we started um, in our idea about what was going to be the, the finding. We, we thought that this gender difference was going to be all about power relations within the household. Mm -hmm. um, and it was only through conversations with uh, mostly the woman that led us to start investigating more carefully the local village political economy, which led us then to collect an entirely different set of data, rich data on all the social network connections between people within the village so we could see who was connected to whom and, and to try to measure the political power of, of people. So we, we did a lot of interviews about who the chiefs are, um, who the, who the um, local political activists were and trying to understand in which political party people were and who was in power and who was not. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 so being wrong in the first place which we found out mostly through statistical analysis, okay. um, then led us to revise what we were doing um, and collect more data that enabled us to uncover this um, more, su more surprising um, result. This is a systematic pattern whenever I've done field research like this over, over the last decade or two. Um, you can have a pretty good idea from the literature that exists beforehand, um, but because the, most of the literature on which, which, which talks about social interactions within villages in West Africa is qualitative. It, it tells you what sort of relations exist, but it doesn't give you very much power to understand the relative importance of different mechanisms. Mm -hmm. So of course there's disputes within the household and power relations within the household matter, but in the realm of life of property rights, of land, it turns out that those were second order importance compared to power relations within the village more generally. And so 
I find over and over again that I'm, I'm a, a little bit off when I start my, my research project, mm -hmm. so it's important to build in enough time for recovery um, as you find out that you're wrong. And people tell you that you're wrong, and so oh. you just have to listen and, sure. and, and, and can adjust. Okay. So the work that, uh, you know, that you had done in this paper, you are going to kind of extrapolate it out to mm -hmm. uh, you're working on another project. Um, when do you, you know, what do you think that will hold? I mean, what do you think that will show? Well, what's so exciting? Or do you, I mean, just yeah. because <laughs> in terms of, again, starting with a certain premise and then right. having it be wrong, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, yeah. so um, we'll see. Mm -hmm. what's, what's, what's really exciting about extending it to a larger um, canvas, to the country as a whole, mm -hmm. rather than four villages in southern Ghana, um, when you expand to the country as a whole, we're sure to see different things in different places. Mm -hmm. And so it calls out for much more collaboration. And so the, this larger program that we're doing with the University of Ghana now, um, which will take place of a, a scan of multiple years mm -hmm. rather than two or three years, we're talking 10, 15, 20 years of, 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 of research. This, is, this, this just requires collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so we have a bunch of students, PhD students from Yale, from the University of Ghana, um, a whole team of really um, wonderful research assistants mm -hmm. based at the University of Ghana who are living in these villages and collecting this data over the long term. That will, I think will generate different results in different parts of the country. We'll find that in the north of the country, which is much poorer and has a very different agricultural system, and the land rights system is entirely different. I'm 100% confident, well, okay, 95% mm -hmm. confident that we won't find a similar mechanism at, at play. Mm -hmm. Instead, there'll be something different. We still find up there gender differences. There's a big difference between the productivity of men's and women's plots, but I suspect there's something different going on. And it may have to do with the control of animals rather than the control of land. Mm -hmm. um, animals are more important in that part of the country. Um, and in the cocoa belt of Ghana, which is the main export crop of, ah. of Ghana, there there seems to be almost systematic exclusion of women from the production of this main export crop. And we don't quite understand what's going on there. And so there's a sociologist working with us who, um, from the University of Ghana who well, may, be able to, may be able to help us figure out what's going on there. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing some of your work. Great. It was really fun. For more information about Professor Udry and his work, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Macmillan Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report, made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale. Mm -hmm.